Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast, the podcast where Steve and I chat about all things Porsche. Steve's here from sunny Sydney. Hi, Steve. All right, there you go. It's cloudy over. Cloudy. It's storm. It's, uh, it's pretty nice here. Everyone knows I'm still in Bahrain. I can see out the window today. You know, it, it's, we, live in, we live in a part of Bahrain called Sanabas. Um, people from Bahrain will know where that is. Um, and we have a lot of listeners from Bahrain, by the way. I just noticed last night we're number one in Bahrain again for automotive podcasts, and we're number six in leisure podcasts in Bahrain. So there you go. Steve. Leisure. Leisure. <laughs> leisure, because yeah. I think I must have put that category on the Apple podcast somewhere, leisure, because I think, I think with automotive podcasts, it's leisure, then automotive. That's how you have to pick it. So you're in the group leisure, and then part of that is automotive. Apple has weird oh, I categories. I hate... I hate these things if we're when you in go. Leisure, I might just take off my pants while we're doing this recording. Yeah, yeah no. Well, leisure because you've got your leisure wear on while you're talking to me. That's how it works, right? My leisure wear is uh, <laughs> is buff. <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say about Bahrain, it, I really like being in places where I can see water. It makes me feel happy. It makes me feel relaxed. Um, I don't know why. It's always. It, I think it's always been the case. And you know, here when we look out the window, I. You know, we can see the water because we're high up and you can see the water across the buildings. And yeah. in London, obviously, the flat in London, you can see the water. And the new flat in London is obviously right on the on the Thames, so you can see the water. I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. something about it. It just makes me feel relaxed. You know, every time in the morning in London when, we come, when I come out and I make coffee and, uh, for my wife in the mornings and then I see the water, I see the Thames and I see the view and it's like, I don't know, you just kind of take a deep breath and you feel much better. Um, I don't think I'll ever be able to own a uh, water view in Sydney, but it would be nice. Yeah, you don't want to go there, mate. <laughs> you're, you're paying handsomely for that. Yeah, I was looking at property prices. For the listeners overseas, if you, if, if you ever want to see crazy property prices and you think that your, your, your property is expensive in, in, well, in US or in Europe or whatever, uh, London not so much, maybe London outside, outside of London. Um, just look at Sydney pro- property prices. Just go into domain.com.au and look at property prices in Sydney and you will die when you, when you see that you have to get a, a pretty ordinary house in Sydney now. It costs around $3 million. Uh, even in places like the Blue Mountains, which is cheap, which I've been looking at for, for fun, you know, they're $2.5 million, $3 million. So I, I just don't understand. Prices have just gone insane. Um, yeah. Why am I talking Incomes about Sydney? haven't gone with that too. No, that's the problem. Incomes haven't changed, have they, Steve? Well, they have slightly, but they haven't gone up in the same uh, percentage as, as property prices. That's nah, for sure. gone, my industry's gone down. Cost of living's gone up, but um, I reckon um, salary, the average salary in um, advertising would have like gone down easily. I, I don't have anything to back that up with, but I'm pretty sure that, that would be the case. Where are the facts, Steve? Where are the facts? I don't have any facts, <laughs> mate. It's all bullshit here. Um, the good news is, and I may as well announce it now because some people know, I mean, Steve knows, I did put a little bit of a cryptic post on Instagram, so I think I got about 20 messages from people, so that's really nice, people saying, great, at last. Um, got a flight back to Sydney. I almost can't believe it. Um, it took me, I don't know whether I told you, Steve, the whole story, but literally the other day when the Australian government announced uh, that there will be no more quarantine, no more cap, as long as you have a approved vaccine, which we do, even though we got it done in the Middle East here in Bahrain. In fact, we have three shots of the vaccine, so we should be safe. Um, Australia announced that it was opening up. So as soon as that announcement came out, um, 
And for the listeners overseas, you know, Australia's been in lockdown now. You know, you haven't been able to travel to Australia since really 2020. Um, and, you know, we didn't need to go back permanently, but we needed to go back, you know, to check on things. And we were never intending on being away from January 2019 until, you know, end of 2021. So it's a long time. Yeah. Um, and as everyone knows, my 9-11 has been sitting for that amount of time. And I'll get onto that that part of it as well, Steve. But the interesting mm-hmm. part is Australia did the announcement. We called Singapore Airlines straight away because um, that's who mm-hmm. our flight was with. And they basically said, yes, we know that's happening, but um, we have to catch up. We haven't, haven't uh, allocated any flights yet. It's going to take us some time. The guy that we called first, and we're Chris Gold flies on Singapore Airlines, the guy that we called first said, you know, you yeah. have to probably call back in a week and then it'll probably be sorted. And I said to yeah. Tasha, I said, I'm not calling back in a week. You know, I'm not going to risk, you know, missing out on a flight or missing out on the right flight. <clears throat> so the next day... Um, there was another announcement on Singapore Airlines' um, website because I kept checking their updates on their website and, and their Twitter feed, mm-hmm. basically saying mm-hmm. at 12 o'clock on that day, which I think was Friday, 12 o'clock on that day, um, they would be booking seats again. So at 12.30, yes. Steve, I called. I called Singapore. Went straight yes. to Singapore, went straight to Chris Gold in Singapore, which is always quicker, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, tried to get the flight. Um, three hours later... Three hours mm. later, um, I had the flight for us. We actually had the flight. Is that literally you sort of sitting on hold, waiting to kind of get through? getting Sitting on or? hold for two, and a, two hours, 20 minutes, I think it was. Um, I know it was yeah. over two hours because I get three minutes on Skype and they ran out and then the guy had to call <laughs> me back. Uh, and right. then when he called me back, I'm realizing in the back of my head thinking, shit, he's called me back on my Australian number. I don't have any roaming plan on my Australian number. How much is this going to cost me? And of course, I got the oh, message right. after I after I hung up from Optus, which is the Australian provider. Mm. For those that don't know, I got the thing saying your roaming charge is in excess of one hundred Australian dollars. Yeah. So that call cost me about a hundred bucks. But you know, we got a flight back, um, and then we yeah. also managed to. Then I called back again it's because I was stupid enough. Yeah. Then I called back again. I was stupid enough, so I got us an upgrade to premium economy as well because uh, we had an economy yep. ticket. Price went up. The fare yep. went up. Not a lot, but it did go up. Um. So it's good. So we've got the flight back. We're coming back on the um, leaving London on the 18th, leaving for London on Thursday. Um, hopefully I'll get to catch up with um, Ajmal and maybe some other guys when I'm there. Nick as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, then back in Sydney. So I've been planning, as you know, and I'll tell the listeners before we get into the, the usual, I've been planning the car situation. I mean, among other things, mm-hmm. um, among all the other things we have to deal with. Um, planning the car situation. Nothing's so, as important as a car move. Yeah, well, I have to, you know, you know, there's so many things, Steve, you know that. I mean, it's exciting, no, but know. there's Just so many things like, you know, and there's also things. Cost you know, the car, that's the fun thing. Repairs on the car, repairs on the flat, repairs on a lot of things, you know. So anyway, I booked the car in, Order House has got it booked in. Um, Chris at Order House got back to me, so it's booked in for the 23rd. Um, I couldn't book it in like almost straight away because I, th- because I don't have a license in Australia. I can't drive. Um, my license expired two years ago. So I have to get mm-hmm. my license back. And when I got my license back, then I can take it over. Um, but can you interest- do that online? I think I've asked you that before. Nope, you can't. Stupidity of Yeah, because it's expired. Right, okay. Because when it wasn't expired, I tried to do it online and they said, no, you yep. can't do it online. And then COVID 
kicked in and then they changed some of the rules and then you could do yeah. it online, but then mine had been right. expired for more than six months. So once it's expired yeah. for more than six months, you can't do it. Okay. Um, I think you have to have an eye test again or something like that. But anyway, that's easier. You know, Service New South Wales, you know, it's open on Saturdays. Um, so we arrive on the, I think, Friday morning or mm-hmm. Friday night. Maybe it's Friday night. Um, so then I'll just go down there on the Saturday. Yeah. Friday. I'll just go down there and do it. I'll just get it done. You can do it straight away apparently, so it's no problem. Yeah. Um, let me come back to the car, Steve. Let me just talk about um, owner stories this week. And I know you didn't listen to it because I didn't send it to you, once again, because I'm an idiot. Um, number okay. 54, uh, it was Xander from um, Adelaide in Australia. Xander's a great guy. Um, people may know of Xander. Xander is a boy's own garage. Um, and Xander has a really good story because it connects all it, – it's sort of like as a full circle thing in a way, but it connects um, connects a lot of other owners who have been on owner stories and it, and it shows yeah. you the community and, and he's kind of – his, his passion, Steve. Um, so he's just yeah. bought, um, and I knew this a few weeks ago, he, was, uh, he sent me a message about it, and he bought James at Porsche Platz, RSR Classics. He bought James's uh, ex-Fitzgerald Racing uh, 996 Cup car, yeah. that, the yellow one that James had spent quite some time um, getting, you know, fixing up and putting back the livery yeah. from, oh, I'm going to forget this, I think the livery's 04, 04 livery. So that's what Xander has now. He has that car. Um, I think he's made a right decision. It, it, it's a good story, Steve, because it's about, you know, he comes from Adelaide. He, you know, he was, you know, went to nearly every F1 in Adelaide or watched nearly every F1 in Adelaide. Um, he, yep. as a kid, he had that interest in Porsche, but he had that interest in, in motorsport. You know what I mean? He was watching motorsport on TV, um, which left, you know, which left an impression on him when you're a kid, you're watching it. And then what he remembers is he remembers Jim Richards, and Peter Fitzgerald dueling it out in Porsches, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's... I remember it, those days. Yeah, and it's kind of come... It's a good story because it's like, can you... You know, you're watching this on TV, and I think about it too, you know, like, you know, you're watching it on TV, and then here you are, and you own Peter Fitzgerald's cup car. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. It's, it's a pretty cool story. And I don't think he intended on getting a cup car, but he did it, and he's really happy about it. Uh, he was looking for a... And Xander, does he do lots of truck days? He's sorry. He does lots of truck days. Then, he does karting. He does a lot of karting, so he knows how to. Okay. He knows how to sort of, you know, he knows the lines and he knows how. He's got that sort of skill set. Um, yep. He he's obviously going to do track days. He hasn't worked it out yet. But there's a really good story because also in Adelaide, if you remember, there's um, there's Simon who was on a previous owner stories too. Simon is at uh, Porsche Nut Nine on Instagram. Hi, Simon. Uh, and Simon's got his 03 uh, GT3 cup car, um, the yep. blue one. I always forget which team it is. Sorry, Simon. 03 GT3 cup car, and he's got a 996.2 GT3. Yep. Um, yeah, so they live nearby. So that's two cup cars. And I think there's another friend that also has a cup car. I, I can't remember exactly now. I've, I've, I'm a bit vague this morning. But there was another friend. So I think there's three of them. Um, but they're going to organize a track day. But, but I asked Simon how he kind of justified it. And I think he just said, you know, like it's, I think it's basically the, the, the experience that you get out of it for those four times a year that you take it on the track where you can drive it to mm-hmm. its fullest. And then when you've got a GT3, and he was looking for a GT3, and he tried to get this mm-hmm. GT3 in 996, and it fell through, Steve. Um, and it mm-hmm. fell through, I think, because the owner was um again ring and then they took off parts and the price went up, and, and it was a bit of a mess up, I think. 
Um, so he didn't wow. buy that, okay. and that's why he contacted James at Porsche Platz. Yep. Trusted James, hadn't seen the car, Steve, hadn't seen the car at yep. all. Um, James just, uh, you know, James is a trustworthy and, and straight-up guy, and he knows all about his Porsches, and this was his car that he'd had for the mm-hmm. last few months since, since I spoke to him, actually, on owner stories. Um, and then he decided to go into, this, into, the, into the cup car. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's, the, it's the experience in those four times a year which kind of makes up for the fact that you can't drive it on the road. What do you think about a cup car? Is that something you would do? I don't track my car, mate, so you're talking to the wrong person. <laughs> yeah, no, but this you're is a car that is... Uh, but this car is only a track car. You don't do anything with it. You can't That's drive it on the road. You right. can't. I, I would have absolutely no understanding of the need and the want to have a cup car because I don't even sort of track my like existing car to kind of know whether or not I'd actually really appreciate, mm, mm. Um, you know, like I'm sure like if I kind of did it, I'm sure I would enjoy it. I'm not doubting that for a second. Um, whether I've kind of got enough skill in it to then kind of go, hey, I want to get um, something even more capable than the thing that I've kind of got. Like I know part of it is not trashing the thing that you've got as well, but um, I think you're just in a very kind of specific um, sort of territory, that's all. But it's interesting, though, because he spent, you know, there's another connection here, um, and I'm giving it all away, but I'll just, I'll just told, pass on this very quickly. Um, his previous car was the uh, 1966 912 um, Tangerine. Um, and if you haven't seen that car, um, people should go to uh, 911 Culture, K-U-H-L-T-U-R.com. Just search Tangerine Dream and, this, and the article comes up. And that's the 912, Steve, that um, Stephen in Sydney owns. Uh, Stephen, yep. our friend in Sydney, who uh, also has a 996. He, um, that's the car that's being fixed up in Adelaide. That was um, Xander's previous car. There was a problem with the engine, if people remember the owner's stories. That was way back in, if you're looking for that owner's stories, it was number 38. Um, and also Simon's owner's story you should listen to as well. That's number 34, if, people haven't, if you guys haven't listened to it already. Um, so Xander's got, yeah, so he's got, he had, his 912 is the one now Stephen has in Sydney and uh, his cup car is, he's just taken from James at Porsche Blatt. So, and also that, you know, his, his interest in motorsport, I like how it's come full circle and he was from watching Fitzgerald and Fitz, you know, Fitzy, I should say on, on TV, he's now um, yep. driven, driven his cup car up his driveway, as he said, Steve, that's as far That's as cool. he's driven it so far. Cool. Let me just get on to, before we come back around, uh, Apple ratings and reviews. I just want to read out these two because people have gone to the effort to read them, to write them, I should say. Um, two reviews this week. The first one is from Jeremy, actually. Jeremy from episode 42. Uh, Jeremy just put another review in there because he said, great podcast. I love Paul's episode this week and can't believe he lives in the same small town as me and we have never met. I didn't realize... Um, I didn't realize, Jeremy, that you guys lived in the same area. I didn't pick up on that one. Um, the next one is a great Porsche podcast. Porsche-centric podcasts are rare. These guys don't disappoint. Informative but informal. I love the banter between Michael and Steve. Great podcast for those new to the brand. Just picked up my first 911, and this podcast was part of my journey. Keep it up from Riggs79 in America. Thank you so much for that. And as I always say, leaving a rating or review really does help us get noticed. Uh, number one in Bahrain again this week. Um, which is really cool since I'm in Bahrain. Um, I asked uh, John's, John from Norway, John who's been on Notice Stories, who has the uh, Speed Yellow 996 GT3. 
he he answered did, the, the did you question. Ask him whether you like yeah, whether you answered, liked your accent. <laughs> he answered the question why we're popular in Norway, because the Americans yeah, are too on. loud, and we're like you know the Americans are too loud and over the top. I think was what John said. I'm not quoting you directly, John, but I think it was something in that in that in that right. vein. So that's the reason, Steve. And probably because we don't swear. Okay. I don't like swearing so much on podcasts. I think it's just, I find sometimes. No, I fucking not. I find smoking tired too much sometimes. You know what I hate? I'll tell you what I hate. I'm going to make a little beef here. You know what I hate? I, I, I listen to Smoking Tire, right? But this thing with Tesla, uh-huh. his thing with Tesla, his like problem with Tesla and this thing about electric cars is just like, oh my God, stop it already. You know what I mean? His thing's about Elon Musk, not Tesla or electric cars. Well, Tesla. Tesla. Because somehow I think, Tesla, he's pretty, I think he's relatively clear and sort of saying he doesn't have a problem with EVs, he owns one. And his problem isn't really with Tesla because some some of them apparently are all right. But um, he's got a pro- problem with um, Elon's propensity to kind of say stuff about mm. their cars that they don't necessarily live up to. I don't know yeah, enough about it. So don't but know. don't all car companies do weird marketing stuff like that? I know Elon Musk takes it to the extreme, but, you know. Um, mm, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. But if, if you listen to it verbatim, I don't think, I don't think all, comp- all car companies are quite as overpromising as tes- Tesla are. I don't know. I think I listened to one the other day and I had to like literally fast forward it for half an hour because all he was talking about how he couldn't find a supercharger wherever he was in some wine district. And I, I think they dwelled on that for like 35 minutes. It was like, okay, I get the point. Like you don't have to keep talking about it. Um, mm. I don't know. I'm finding it a little bit boring actually at the moment. I'm finding it a little bit, little bit nothing. I don't know. Even the guests are a bit nothing. They're a bit boring. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just the frame of mind I've been in the last week, Steve. <laughs> um. <laughs> grumpy old man on the balcony, mate. I don't know. At least he's not racist. That's the main thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's start with this. Let's start with this. Okay. I know everyone's wondering what's going on with my car and I'm going to get onto that. Um, should we get onto that now, Steve, or should we go into the yeah, question from good. Instagram? Okay. So oh, my yeah. car, my car, the situation is, and I know some people have asked me on Instagram and I haven't answered the question. Um, it's booked in. Um, it's going to take, I think, at least a week, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only going to take a week because of the fact that my steering rack, people remember the old steering rack story, it comes, it's come back again, uh, was leaking. No doubt after sitting dormant for two years, that steering rack seal has dried up even more and no doubt it is leaking even more and no so doubt. So what, what was it specifically? It was, weep, was it weeping or was it just dripping? It was slightly dripping slightly dripping what happens is the seal on the steering rack is rubber apparently and if yep. it's not used if your car sits dormant for too long the rubber dries out and it cracks apparently from my memory right. and it leaks uh, it will get worse it will not get better especially if it's not yep. driven um, you can still drive your car your car will be very noisy when you're turning you'll hear a noise it'll get loud and could you hear that when the no, last no, time you... No, no, no okay. noise at all. Yeah. Maybe it was only very, right. very small. It was enough for them to tell me that it had to be changed. Um, it seems the general consensus on the internet as well, and I checked, is that most people don't yeah. replace it with the new part. I think the new part's expensive. It's reconditioned, right? Yeah, it's just reconditioned, so they take it out. It's sent to someone, I guess, nearby, wherever Waterhouse is, and it comes back. That's why it takes four days. It takes around four days, he told me. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's yep. why it's been for four Makes days. Um, I booked it in for service. I also asked a question about fuel. 
I'm a bit confused about the whole fuel thing. I know people say when you put your car in storage, you should um, put some additive into the fuel tank. Uh, I think someone said it's called Tecron or something. I, I think that's the name of it. Um, I didn't add that to the fuel tank. I just made sure the fuel tank was full like I always did. Uh, I made but sure my wheels were... You weren't were... expecting to be away for two years. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Um, um, I don't know what state my tyres are going to be in. I mean, I pumped them up to the fullest. That's what Grant at Auto House told me to do as well when I asked them about storing the car. Yep. So they were pumped up to 50, which was the max of that tyre, of the Pilot Sport 2. I yep. know how much it loses after each six-month period. So I would say the tyres now are probably down to around 38 PSI um, based Which on isn't a problem. What, it's fine, isn't it? what they lose. So that should be okay. And anyway, new tyres, I know people say about flat spots, but new tyres, and I heard Matt Farrow talk about this. I'll give, him a com I'll give him a compliment on this one. He did say that his mother's car, he drove his mother's Jaguar and had flat spots. And then after you get the heat into the tyres again and drive it yeah. for enough miles, the flat spots... Um, you know, work their way out. Kind of thing. Yeah, yep. the flat spot thing is really a thing with older tires, older technology. New tires, they kind of once they get to to temperature, um, they're actually okay. Yep. So yep. anyway, Steve, it's booked in. Um, I asked Order House about the fuel. Uh, Chris at Order House gave me a good tip and said probably best not to drive it too far. Um, so I Chris think Chris Monk or Chris Monk. Chris Monk. Cool. That's the Chris that's always been there, right? Chris Monk. There's yeah. There's. Um Chris Long has also joined them. Oh, okay. I don't so know there's two that. Chris's on the front desk. Yep. Right. That's confusing. And he said probably best not to drive it too far, so I'll just drive it from my place to Order House, which is about, I don't know how far is that, Steve, 10 kilometers? I don't even know how far the distance mm, yeah, is about the, from the city about. to there. Um, so I'll just drive it there. I won't drive it anywhere else. And like I said, I don't have a license in Australia at the moment anyway, so I've got to get my license renewed. So that will take a <laughs> Do day. Do you know why? Just out of curiosity? Does fuel um, go I off? said, does, yeah, apparently. Does it separate or? I don't know. I didn't ask him exactly. Then I did a search online and it said that it could make foul of your engine. It could clog up something. Here only, here's my technical like if knowledge. There's, if there's kind of sediment in um, uh, the bottom of the tank, if that kind of gets through your injectors and. I don't think all it's to do sort of with the bottom of the tank. I think it's to best to do that your fuel is two years old and it really you really uh -huh. shouldn't be using fuel that's any more than six months old or three months old. From what it, the internet told me when I did searches. Yeah, that it could, I guess it was just the why. Cool. Yeah, it could do issues with it. But he didn't actually tell me the why, but I just, I'm just going to follow it. And then they will flush yeah. the tank. They will flush the tank out. So I'll have to. They'll just flush you could do it yourself. I just um, I'm I'm rewatching Breaking Bad with um, my wife after the kids go to sleep, and um, there's a scene in it where Walt Walter White um, puts a plastic pipe into the fuel tank of the um, RV and then just sucks to kind of you know get it. You want to, to sort of bleed the tank? You can just do that. Okay, you want to know a funny story? And I never yeah. didn't mention this on the owner stories when I did it, but that's the, one yeah. of the memories I have of my dad. Um, when I was a kid, oh, really, to we had the we had the blue the, the blue Toyota Corolla, Corona, I should say, blue Toyota yeah. Corona, and blend. This is when I was, you know, I don't know, seven or something. Um, and Dad used to get the bit of hose. He'd have a piece of hose in the shed. I'm showing Steve how long yeah. it is. This bit of hose. He'd stick it down the tank, and yeah. he'd need some fuel for the for the lawnmower. Yeah, yeah. So he go. <laughs> And then it'd go in his mouth, he'd spit it out, he'd spit it out, yeah. and then put it in the little other Jimmy tin so he can get yeah. some fuel for the lawnmower because he couldn't be bothered going to get the fuel. And then he mixed the fuel with oil or whatever for the for the lawnmower, the two-stroke or whatever it is. It's 
supposed to just alcohol. Well, there's additives in it though. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. I remember that. I was good just, for you. I used to laugh. I remember laughing about it because it was just like this, you know, he'd always get it in his mouth and it'd always be this like, you know, that face. <laughs> you got petrol in your mouth. I don't know you what that would taste that. like. I could just do that, right? And yeah. just put it just put it down the drain, you know, be very environmentally friendly and stick it down the drain in the city. Just because um, like effectively that just sort of means like you get home, I know you've got to get your license and stuff like that. But um, you've been you've been away from your car for more than two years, and you're obviously kind of gagging to take it for a drive. Um, I know that you're probably concerned that there might be some potential kind of issues, like a weepy kind of um, steering rack and stuff like that. But it kind of then means like you're you basically go downstairs, you tentatively drive it to order house, and then it disappears for like. A, a while and you don't really get to drive it sort of thing that's okay i mean i'd rather it yeah. be ready all right to drive so i can do a long drive in it you know what i mean like get yeah, up yeah, at the yeah. crack of dawn and then drive to putty road you know what i mean like get up one morning at five o'clock four thirty and just drive to putty road and back um because marco marco my cousin with the um 996 turbo yep he and I were kind of laughing about um, getting blue balls from um, like lockdown, not being able to go for a proper drive for a couple of months. And then I think Marco literally said, bloody hell, how does Michael feel after kind of not driving for more than two years sort of things? Like, yeah, oh, I, know. I guess another couple of weeks I'm going to kill him. But. And then driving the um, the MG here in, in Bahrain. Did I tell you the MG had a bit of an issue the other day where the windscreen wipers wouldn't stop? Nope. Yeah, there's some wiring, some, I don't know what it was. And then it stopped. Of course, when I took it back to the rental people, which is just like a desk in the shopping center, it's not like a proper company. Well, it's a proper company, yeah. but it's very small. And they just wouldn't stop. So like they're just doing it, you know, the whole 15 minutes to the rental car company, they're just like doing it. It's like a nightmare. Yeah. And then, of course, I go there. He messes around with the stick and says, oh, it's not doing it anymore. And it's like, okay. <laughs> and then I drive away and then it does it intermittently. It's like still doing it. It's like, what in the hell? I think it's just got some kind of weird wiring. Like it's got some weird, there's something odd with it, but now it's stopped again. So anyway. Chinese built cars, man. But I'm, you know, I, I rented that car for a month as well and I'm giving it back on Thursday. Um, and unfortunately yeah. after the first week, there's no refund <laughs> for the rest of the time. So it's like, okay, whatever. Um, Steve. So five, yeah. was that, was that, sorry, That's was it. that kind of, uh, so the plan is to have the service done, to have the steering rack reconditioned. Is there anything mm. else? Like, and obviously okay. let Autohouse sort of look at the car. Is there anything else? I, I just said in my email, in my long-winded email to them, um, Chris just gave me yeah. like a little short answer, a short response. Um, I just made a, I just said that I just want them to check everything over that they think would that they think might be a problem after a car sitting stored for two years, just to check everything yep. for me. I want it thoroughly checked. Um, I'm yep. tempted. I'm tempted to get my engine mounts changed because yep. I'm pretty sure they're the originals. Um, I'm just tempted to get them changed because because there's a new steering rack and because if I get the engine mounts changed and I know after they do the steering rack they have to do an alignment. They, you have to also pay for the wheel alignment balance. Yep. Um, so that's four hundred bucks or whatever from Waterhouse. So like. I just thought maybe I just tell them to do the engine mounts as well and just have it a little bit the more mounts sorted. Mounts don't require a um, realignment, though. Yeah, I know, I know, but it's just about just getting the car, trying to get the car to normal. Um, I still have the the um, suspension issue with the bump stops being split at the front, or one of them being split. 
Um, but that process to replace that thirty dollar part is really expensive in labor. Um, and I think I don't. So wouldn't you go- do that potentially? I don't want to go down that track because I'd rather change the suspension if I was going to keep the car for a long period. Um, I'm still not sure what I'm going to do with the car. I know I'm sort of going back on what I said before. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Um, yep. I'll just kind of see if, if things play out and and somehow I come into I ex- some, ex- some extra funds, then maybe I'll look yep. at something else. Um, I'm just trying to work that out at the moment. I'm still trying to work out what to do and I haven't really had a clear enough head after um, all these projects to actually decide, Steve, yeah. Um, but that's it, doing that. And then I, uh, I sent an email to um, Atlas. Um, I, don't know, yep. I don't know Pierre at Atlas um, personally. He um, seems like I. a nice guy. I did notice that yep. he's uh, – I sent him an email last night. Uh, and we're recording this on a Tuesday. I did notice he's responded uh, to my email last night. Um, I haven't actually read uh-huh. it yet. I haven't had a chance because we're doing this very early in the morning. Um, but yep. he has responded. Um, so I'm trying to tie that up. Um, I'll update it next week. Um, I'm trying to tie that up. So like what you said, that when it's in order house, if there's any way of tying up the thing. So I sent him some, I sent them some images of the damage that you took for me, Steve. I which reckon I think there is. There is? Like if he wants, if you want better pictures and stuff, I can kind of go and take more. But like, oh, like if the car's going to sit at order house and all that has to happen is the bumper needs to be kind of taken off and then taken to... Um, Taken to uh, uh, Atlas to have it um, um, resprayed. They can take something like the fuel lid, the fuel filler lid, or something if they kind of need something to match to, just to kind of double check. Don't um, they blend in anymore? I mean, I haven't read I haven't um, read Pierre's email, so we're in the middle of the podcast. So I'm not going to read it now. But do they blend? Yeah, a, I'm pretty sure not. They don't blend in anymore, where they have to blend it into the body. No, I think that's an old-fashioned kind of thing. There's, there's no, there's they no still use putty, there. right? Because the, la- <laughs> the last thing you want is blending, like, to be perfectly honest. Well, I guess it depends, but, yeah. Well, I watched like, Harry's Garage where he was doing his Rolls-Royce and he got it repainted white and he said they were doing blending on that, so I thought they still did blending. Um, I don't know. I think, like, I'm no expert, but I'd, I'd kind of go, the bumper's plastic, you know, the corresponding, like the front wings and everything are metal, blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, there's a chance that because of the substrate being different that they might not kind of match perfectly, but yep. I don't think you would be kind of wanting like feathered kind of blending across your front wings <laughs> to kind of match your front like bumper. Flames. I'm pretty sure that, blending. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm um, pretty sure that you don't want anything like that. But it's um, exciting. So therefore... Yeah. Yeah. So, therefore, I think like if you wanted to kind of keep your car um, off the road for as short a time as possible, so you can get out and enjoy it, yep. like um, try to organise. Um, like I'm sure Autohouse and Atlas are good good buddies, so I'm pretty sure that they can sort of work amongst themselves and figure it out. I'm hoping. I'm hoping by that weekend that the car is going to be sorted enough for me to to get out and drive it. You know, if I have to take it back to order house to get other things done, I'll just take it back. Do you know what I mean? That's why I'm trying to work out. Like, if it's mm. sitting there for mm. four days, and the car's just sitting there, and the, the service takes them a day, and then they've got nothing else to do, I thought, well, why not get the engine mounts changed while it's sitting there? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's why I thought about that. I don't think it's super expensive. So I thought I'm trying to think of things that while it's there, I may as well just get a couple of other things done just to save the time so I don't have to take it back in a you know after Christmas and get other things done. You know what I mean? Just what extra, what about 
sorry, what about like all the uh, extra bits, like you had sort of interior trim pieces and stuff? Does any of that need to be fitted by them? Or? No, I did that myself, I think. I don't think they, I don't need them to do it. I can just do it myself. Uh, did you get door sills? Are you going to do that yourself? Yeah. Why? What door sills? Yeah, the, do the leather door sills? The or inside the... door sills. No, 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 no. The, um, the scuff plates, the stainless things. I haven't bought them yet. Oh, okay. I'm thinking about buying them in London and taking them back. I haven't bought them yet. I haven't, I'm still on the fence a little bit about yep. the silver on silver. I think I will get them, but I'd have to buy them in, I still think it works out a lot cheaper for me to buy them in, in London and bring them back to Sydney. I've got a lot of things to come back from London, so I'm a bit worried about the weight yep. side of it. So I'm trying to work Actually, out that. Actually, get those stainless ones, you know, you really should get the, um, I think Marco's ordered one, the um, stainless lathe works knob and um, rod. Yeah, he has ordered it actually. He told me he's ordered a second I think he's getting well. the, um, what's it called, the bead blasted finish. I reckon that's going to look pretty good. Yeah, I did like those stainless steel ones. I don't know which one it was, but I remember seeing them from lathe works, which is who we're getting mm. our knobs from. Um, mm. I do actually, uh, I sent the images too that you gave me last week to Nick. Um, yep. I think he's yep. ordering one for sure after seeing that because it looks pretty cool in the image. Yep. I was watching an, e- an email uh, video last night on YouTube, a smoking tire one on that uh, Mustang Mark One, and I noticed that the gear knob in that is white. It looks like a Lathe Works type one. It's like a white knob with oh, yeah. black writing. Yep. It's a very similar style yep. to the Lathe Works. I didn't realize it must be like an American sort of thing, is it? Uh, no, I think a lot of old Hot school rod. cars. Like. I'm pretty sure that um, like a lot of the singers have, like if they don't have this sort of layered, you know, wooden kind of knob that mm. harks back to uh, 917s and stuff like that, I think they've got an option for like just the very simple black kind of plastic um, knob, which is just like a retro thing, which is kind of why I always wanted one. Yeah, I still want to get, I still wouldn't mind getting one of the wood ones like you've got. Maybe you'll sell one of yours because you've got so many of them, but one of the ones from, um, <laughs> one of yep. the ones from Carbone, <laughs> you know. Yep. You've got like a whole set now on display on your shelf, right? You've got like four of them or something. Well, I <laughs> took the car out for the first time today. And, Did you? Um, Tell us about it. Yeah, so like, um, you know, like last week I was talking about the fact that I'd um, done the ceramic coating. So I was also waiting for it to uh, cure properly. Uh, plus it was raining all last week in Sydney, so it's only just kind of stopped raining. Um, and it's about to start raining again. So um, I went for a really quick drive to visit um, John at ProStitch, um, who has moved workshops. Um, yeah. And I didn't really get to kind of drive the car properly because I realised I hadn't been driving for so long. I was sort of just a bit kind of, tentative and all of that sort of stuff plus work got really busy I thought today was going to be quiet and it's actually stupid busy so I was a bit preoccupied went to visit John had a little chat had a look around his showroom all that sort of stuff so it was nice cars and then um turned around to kind of come home and thought okay cool like you know so it's a good half an hour drive like you know enjoy it sort of take it for a good sort of fang and then um I realized that um the gear shifter was really loose because I hadn't tightened up the screws on the um, lathe oh. works thing properly. Right. <laughs> so I'd had to drive like grandma on the way home because like, <laughs> I was worried the whole thing was just gonna come off. Oh, great. And there's four kind of grub screws in it and I hadn't tightened them down properly and then they'd obviously worked their way even more loose as I was kind of driving along. Because you put it on just to see how it looks before because you thought you might want to change it, so you didn't put it on tight. That was what yeah. you did, right? 
But it looks good. Aesthetically, <laughs> it looks really it looks good. good. No, it looks really good. Um, yeah. The black yeah. rod, the black shaft, whatever you call it. Let's yep. call it shaft for this episode. Um, looks really good. <laughs> um, yeah, happy. At least you got to go for a drive. Has Marco been for a drive? Have you spoken to him? Are you planning a drive on the weekend? Uh, we were talking. He suggested it for last weekend, but neither of us could kind of do it. I don't know. Like, ideally, it'd be nice. I think it'd be probably better to go out on a weekday, like I think. Um, you know, like a Friday mid-morning would probably be better if we could both get away from work. But yep. I'm not sure if I can. I, mean, I have no idea if he can as well. Marco runs his own business, so... Um, he possibly has more flexibility than, you know, working a corporate office job type thing. But um, I don't know. I'd love to kind of just kind of get out and do something. Yeah, I want to do the putty. I want to do the putty road on a weekday. Um, Maybe if we should do that. Maybe if Marco and you are free, we'll do it on a week morning, weekday morning, like early and just get out there, get out of the. Oh, that's a day trip. Like that's a good, that's a day adventure. Like, go up there, kind of book a nice restaurant up in the Hunter somewhere again. And, no, um, I just, don't need to eat. Know, just relax. Drive. Don't need to eat. No, no, do it. I reckon the other one might be Mudgy. Or Mark get and I were honey. talking about it. Honey, get some honey at Mudgy. Mm, just for driving. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people do when they go to Mudgy. They always bring you back, oh, I brought you back some mm-hmm. honey from Mudgy. Okay, thanks. There's some pretty good, there's some pretty good restaurants in Mudgy. I've really? been there a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mudgy, I kind of laugh at because living in Blaney when I was a kid, it's kind of like Mudgy yep. was one of these places. The, the signs you used to see the, the road to Mudgy, and it was kind of always used to laugh at the name. Um, and we yeah. had we had relatives there actually. We went there when I was a kid, off and on. We had some right. cousin or something that lived there. I think from memory. Yeah. Um, okay, Steve. Let's move along because I want to talk about I want to talk about um, being a Porsche wheelman. And you laughed at me when I said that before. And this is going to be the title of this episode, Porsche Wheelman. Not a getaway driver. Because you're planning on robbing a bank. Just a driver. Just a Porsche driver. Being a Porsche driver and experiencing every... And robbing a bank. And experiencing robbing a bank to pay for that um, 912 and and GT3. Um, Mm -hmm. I tell you what, though, the more people I talk talk with who have got 356s... I had a really good chat yesterday for a future owner stories, and I mentioned to you with Jeff from Sydney. Um, Hi, Jeff. Um, And Jeff has had, I'm going to drop it in here because it's coming up. Jeff's had 19 Porsches. He has three really cool ones at the moment. And one of them is a a 356. I'm not going to tell you which model, but it's it's the pinnacle. John from ProStitch has got one too. And I think that's the one that he said that he'll never let go of. Yeah. Uh, What model has he got? What year? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, and I, I tell you what, I've never been a fan of the 356. I appreciate them, but I've never been a fan thinking I want one. And now I look at them. I really do look at them. They're just, I don't know, there's something appealing about them. There really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it is, mate. Um, anyway, where are we? Porsche Wheelman, I want to get into that. I just want to have a quick chat. I want to ask you a couple of questions about that, about how we get in our Porsche direction, how we... Um, how is it possible to experience every part of the brand and, and have we experienced enough? I know I haven't. Um, but those 3D uh, printed Porsche seats um, that yep. – who sent me that link? Paul sent me that link. Paul from um, last week's Owner's Stories. Paul yeah. in the UK. What do you think about those? I, I, I couldn't understand that. Good. price seemed very cheap to me. And I know it's expensive, but it seemed very cheap. <laughs> Porsche seats are cheap, but, yeah, they're still like, what, 2,800 two euro or something? Yeah, and they, they call it innovative 3D printed body form full bucket seat. And you can actually spec them. You can spec them for your current car. I think it's 981s, yep. uh, 911s, not 996s or 997s. 
Um, and nine you can and one order, and upwards. Yeah. yeah, nine and one and upwards. They're exclusive manufacturer. Um, and they're, they're going to be a standard feature in the car configurator. I think they look pretty cool. I don't even mind the color accents. I mean, the black on black. But even with the bit of red and the bit of yellow, they're kind of cool when you see it with your red seatbelt. They just have the little bit on the backrest and on the seat, a bit of red detail, yellow detail, or black detail, Steve. The yellow, I thought, that's was part of, that's. That's one of the bits that's um, 3D printed, I think. Is when it? When you look at it up close, that's sort of like a mesh kind of polymer type thing. So they're the 3D printed body form full bucket seats in the Mission R. Mm. I think that's what they're saying. This is where it's come from. This this direction has come from uh, the Mission R. But they're available for the Boxster and the Cayman. Uh, they're available. It's interesting for the 718 Boxster Cayman 982. It's only the driver's seat that's available. Yeah. And then the 911, I that was weird. yeah, and the yeah. 911 992, it's only got the driver's seat as well. Oh, which I thought, side, yeah, yeah, which is really, really weird. But the price, I thought the price was crazy. I thought it was cheap. Someone told me it was expensive. Maybe I'm just out of touch. Um, Two thousand six hundred and seventy-seven nah, euros per seat. I thought those sort of, and then I think, then I thought, are they only offering? Is it just the insert? Is it just the insert they're selling? But it's a no, whole no, seat, right? Seat. But I thought yeah, those seats were seat. twenty. I thought those seats were like thirty grand Aussie for those seats. No, 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 no. Like a, um, the buckets in my car, like yeah. which are discontinued and stuff like that. Um, like um, they've kind of hit about thirty thousand US, I think twenty, 20 mid 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 twenties and up. But I think that's because they've been discontinued. Um, but like if you kind of went to try to source like say like the lightweight buckets out of a 991 GT3 or a 992, right. I don't think they'd be kind of 20-something, but I think they'd be more expensive than 2,700 euro each. Yeah, that's what I thought. Seems very so cheap. So I thought they were cheap. Um, yeah, yeah. But actually now that you – you know how like we were kind of laughing because when you read the little list that it sort of says some of them are only available for the driver's side. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were interchangeable. Like the buckets on my car, you can swap them from left to right. Like you just have to change the um, yeah. the seat belt receptacle I don't to know. kind of bolt to the other side. So I, I thought like buckets were weren't um, side specific actually. Well, I'm looking at the table now, and it's interesting this one actually because it's available for the 718 Boxster Cayman and 982 produced up to and including week 47 2020. Right. But that's just for the driver's seat. That's driver's seat and passenger seat. But then from week 48, 2020, for the 718 and Boxster came in 982 produced from week 48, 2020, it's only the driver's seat. But the 992 surprised me that it's, you can only, you go in your online configurator, you can just have one of the seats. Seems a bit odd. It's funny because I know like a lot of, um, oh, I think I know what it is. um, I think I know what it is. Track rats. A lot of people that are into their kind of track cars, like, you know, like it's not that uncommon for track guys to, you know, sort of have like a racing bucket in the driver's seat and then just have the normal seat on the other side. And that's kind of like the look. But I kind of would have thought that most Porsche owners these days aren't track guys and they kind of aesthetically would want (laughs) matching seats in their car. Yeah, I think the main thing, yeah, exactly. I think the main thing with this seat though, Steve, is is that it says it's got um, passive ventilation, right? Mm-hmm. So the seat is seat is supposed to be cooler. It's also apparently yes. eight eight percent lighter. I don't know what that means in figures. How much that actually is? Um, That's like a Big Mac. Yep. Yeah, eight um, percent. And then it <laughs> says 
Uh, part of its innovation is that cushion and backrest, backrest surfaces are produced using a 3D printer and are available in three different rigidity grades, meaning the seat can be customized yep. to suit the customer-specific needs. When I first saw yep. this article, I thought it was, you know, you know, Porsche send you some plaster of Paris or something, you sit your ass in it and you send it back to them and they give you a proper custom seat like a race car. <laughs> like a race car. <laughs> like an F1. That's what I thought. Yeah, here's, okay. your, here's your Porsche plaster of Paris. Is that what you it? Yeah, and here's my yeah. buttocks and then make me a seat. I thought it was something like that. You know, you go to a Porsche dealer and you just sit in a, you know, sit into right. a sloppy plaster thing and there it goes. Mm. But it's not. No. <laughs> If you look at the pictures, it's the coloured bit, I think, is particularly the bit that um, is customizable. It's not just the colour, but there's three grades of hardness and all that type of stuff. I'm just looking at the pictures now. We'll, we'll go off this very quickly. I'm looking at the pictures now. The seat in general, yeah. the sides of the seat, look pretty much like a standard seat. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Is, the, is, the, is the difference only the inside? So if you had a 992 and you had two seats... Yes. Really, you don't really notice that much of a difference if you had two lightweight buckets except for the insert on the driver's side. Is that what it is? Or is the whole seat slightly different? The, the, the leather lumbars on the side of the seat are slightly different shape. This is what I can't work out from the... Uh, yeah, the outer edges look very much like the lightweight bucket, but yeah. I think the difference is a little bit more on the inside part of it. Like, it, I, I suspect that if you've already got lightweight bucket spec in your 991 or your 992, you're yeah. not going to get these seats but no. if you don't have that option then this is a pretty cool upgrade if i had a cayman or a whatever or i think or a 991 i, I think i'd be tempted i think i'd be tempted I if, be. if it's only three thousand euros such a big difference yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's and it comes direct from porsche you can spec it properly you know it's it's really cool and i think you know with After the yellow and bank, you could buy like multiple sets of it yeah i have to get a proper car oh, each color can't put it in the 997. Color in each color and the different hardnesses. Yeah, that'd be nice. You just have a set, just switch it out like wheels every weekend. Yeah. I want a soft seat this weekend. I want a harder, firm seat next weekend. It all changes. Hey, um, so that's it, 3D printed Porsche seats. I thought it was quite interesting. I mean, Porsche's doing a lot of innovative things with this uh, exclusive manufacturer now, aren't they? So that thing that we talked mm. about a long time ago with uh, Manti Racing as well, you know, the Manti Racing kit. Yep. that goes on your GT3 RS or whatever, GT3 and GT3 RS, wasn't it, that you sent me something yep. recently about it as well, something else that they were doing. Um, so that's yep. all, all that stuff is very cool, I think. I mean, the customization, obviously they want more of your money. Um, that's what it's yeah. all about. But, you know, it's, it's exciting when you, when you love the brand and you want to add things to your car and, and you have the money to spend. Speaking yep. about having money to spend, Steve, um, and I just, I just came, I literally thought about this, this topic, and it's not really a topic, it's just something that's always was in my head from yesterday after speaking uh, from Jeff to Jeff from Sydney, who's coming up on a, mm. a few weeks' time because mm -hmm. he has owned 19 Porsches. And I'm thinking, shit, you know, like, you know, I drive a 911, I drive a 997. Well, I drove it two years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully I remember how to drive stick as well because I've been driving automatic for the last 10 years. <laughs> I thought yep. about that the other day. I thought, hang on, which foot do I use again? Um, but it all uh -huh. came back to me. I thought about it. Um, but after driving autos, it's going to be a, a great experience in getting back into a, into a six-speed manual. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking, shit, you know, like I, I haven't I, – I, this keeps coming into my head where I'm just like – I'm just do too dormant. I'm too like slow um, that I haven't really experienced enough of the brand. You know, I haven't experienced enough of these cars. And Jeff is very nice. Jeff, I know he's listening to, and he's a very kind guy. He's a very nice guy. And he said, you know, when I'm back in Sydney, you know, 
feel free to drive his 912. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is a really nice mm-hmm. thing to offer. And I know other people in Sydney have also offered the same thing, you know, to get, to get that experience. And it's great mm-hmm. to drive someone else's car, like to drive your car, but it, it, it also depresses you a little bit afterwards because it's like you realise that you are missing out a little bit on, on a better experience. You know what I mean? Funny, yeah. You want to be careful about, um, you know, uh, you want to be kind of careful about driving lots of other people's cars to a degree. Not, not, not in terms of stacking it and values and all that kind of stuff, but um, that is a surefire way to kind of grow discontent with what you've kind of got and what you can, you know, like what's within your own kind of reach to a degree. Like, well, very fun experience kind of thing, but. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like me sort of saying like last week that um, I've never driven a 991.2 GT3. I'd really kind of like to to a degree, but yep. then I'm also a bit scared of kind of going, oh, that makes that shit's all over my car. Yeah. I actually kind of really want one of those, but I can't actually get to one. Just so. do a shout out. Anyone in Sydney that has a 991 GT3 that will let Steve drive it. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> this is exactly my point. Um I don't know. You're going to drive Marco's car, right? You haven't driven Marco's 996 Turbo either. Marco's car. No. You should drive Marco's no. car. Marco, why haven't you let Marco. Steve drive your car? It's very, very strange. Marco might not want me to drive his car. Because <laughs> of the way, kind of understanding. Because, of the way you, because of the way you change gears. Yeah. How you um, ride, ride the clutch and everything, all those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Sorry, I keep going. Okay, so... This is, this is, you know, this is after, you know, owner stories are, are a great thing, but they're also a bad thing for me because I, I get introduced to like these stories and, and I talk to people before and after the podcast and, you know, and I think, you know, shit, you know, like I said, speaking to Jeff and speaking to a lot of other people, you know, I, I haven't experienced enough. You know what I mean? Um, yep. You know, I, I'm a Porsche driver, but am I really a Porsche driver? Because I've only driven one, only owned one 911. Um, you know, at one Porsche, even, you know, Ajmal, a flat cat driver, he's got three Porsches now. If anyone's watched his latest video, he's got a Boxster as well. <laughs> I'll watch the Boxster video. <laughs> Hi, Ajmal. How's that one going? <laughs> he bought a Boxster. I think he's, he's, he says the price in the video, right? He does, yeah. He bought a Boxster for I'm just over 2,000 pounds or something. Um, so it's it's pretty, um, sorry, it's, sorry, Ajmal, it's pretty, pretty, um, pretty scabby. Um, but, you know, you're still experiencing, you know, he's, he's 996, uh, 912, now he's got a Boxster. You're still experiencing thing, you know, and, and, and I kind of come back to this thing about what determines our Porsche direction. You know, we all get into the brand for different reasons. We either get into it early in life, later in life, as we always say, Steve. But what determines our path with Porsche? You know, some people will only buy newer generations or they'll only buy a new Porsche. They'll buy the new one when it comes out and they'll just keep switching to the new one. They won't really go back in time. Other people... Um, like Jeff, you know, for example, and I'll bring Jeff up again because I just spoke to him yesterday, has only owned, you know, classic Porsches. You know what I mean? Yep. And I guess at the time they weren't super classic, some of them. Some of them were 10 years old, but he's only old, old, older Porsches. You, for example, haven't owned anything, you know, out of, out of the 90s, really, have you? You haven't really gone back into the 80s, into the 70s. Is I've there a reason? my uncle's 80s. You've driven it, but is there a reason why you haven't, bought a 911 like a 70s or a 60s 911 i don't know because i don't I, I was about to say when you said sort of suggested kind of talking about this topic i think you still are talking to a slightly rarefied group of people that have the ability to kind of buy multiple kind of porsches because okay so like 
talk about me. Like I know I'm very fortunate um, and I did kind of get in relatively early in terms of whatever I was, sort of late 20s when I kind of got my first 964. But I never thought and I still don't think I would have necessarily the ability to go on and own multiple 911s. Yeah, um, but... When you Which bought, then dictates that you kind of only have like the one to kind of get into and, you know, like I can't sort of collect, you know, like one from a couple of different sort of generations. Like I'd love to kind of have an air-cooled one to kind of go with GT3, but it ain't going to happen. Um, but when you bought, Steve, your 964, yes. and I yes. can't remember the answer to this, when you bought the 964, was there a part yeah. of you, and you said your uncle owned the 80s SC or the 80 G50, right? 88 G50 or something, wasn't it? What did yep. your uncle own? Yep. G50. Yeah, um, eight, uh, 86, I think it was. 86 G50. So when you bought your 964, were you tempted? Yep. Were you thinking at that point, maybe I could get an 80s Carrera? And did your uncle have his one no. at the time and did you drive it and think, no, I don't really want that, I want a 90s one? I had... I only had one option. I literally only had, like, the option of kind of getting... well. For sure, I could have bought something older, but uh, if you remember at the time, um, that was my daily driver. So I did kind of drive to work, um, yep. um, to to work and back. Sorry. So on my uncle's kind of recommendation, he just sort of said, "No, nah, like you're going to need to get something with power, power um, steering, and the clutch has to kind of be manageable for kind of peak hour." So you really kind of need a 964 and upwards basically. And that meant that the 964 was the only thing I could kind of, I, I could only just scrape the money together to, to kind of get that car. So I didn't have choices. Like, right. you know, um, that was kind of it. So, and it, so our direction is based upon, and we've talked about this before, um, you know, to become a real Porsche driver, to have all these experiences, it really still is, it's very, it is, it is funds and it is, priorities isn't it it's all about funds and it's about priorities and they normally work hand in hand in most cases for all of us um see my situation yeah. is see my situation is I, I keep thinking you know you know the 997 gt3 is just like got too expensive you know 300k for a 997 gt3 is just insane um it's way too much i think mm-hmm. i think that as much as i like the 997 gt3 i'd probably tend to look more at a 991.2 gt3 but if I was getting for more money, yeah. If I was getting a GT3, but more money, right? Yes, yes, but yes, not a lot yes. more money when yours is now sitting at three. You know, they're coming up at three hundred now, three hundred, three hundred and ten. Whether or not people get that price, we don't know. Not about values, though. It's about experience, right? So, you know, if I want to mm-hmm. experience a GT3, maybe I'd look at a nine nine one. But then the nine nine one, you know, you'd want the manual. The manual's going to be a higher price. You could get the PDK probably a little bit cheaper, maybe yep. twenty grand cheaper max. Um, but you're still looking at around $350,000 Australian. The other alternative is that my 997 is a great car. I keep it. I yes. tweak it a bit more. You know, it's maintained yep. well. There's no issues with it, touch wood. Um, there's no yep, issues, sure. major issues with it. And then, you know, for my experience, and I keep coming back to this classic air cool thing. For my experience, yeah, yeah, to yeah. get a 912, um, a really yep. good one just came up and bring a trailer this morning I saw an email for. To get a 912 is going to cost me about 120000 Australian landed if i get one from the u.s in good condition i know yep. people have bought them for a lot cheaper um it's 120 so yep. that 120 
Um, I'd have to add a hell of a lot more than 120000 to my car to get into that GT3. But for that lower price, I am becoming, you know, I am experiencing two different cars and I could experience those cars at the same time and probably still be better off than getting the GT3 first. If I keep those two cars for another yes. three years, they're not going to yep. go down in value. So then maybe I have the opportunity in a few years to sell those two cars and then buy a GT3 after that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like the whole property thing trading up. I mean, it depends on how prices of GT3 goes, GT3 991s, you know, when the 992 comes out, properly comes out, how it's going to all balance out. Um, but I, I, I just keep... I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I kind of... So, like, and, and I've kind of put this to you before because I'm obviously, like... I still personally think um, if I was to speak on your behalf, I reckon the right thing for you to do is to taste like um, a higher level of performance in 911 before you go back to kind of then sort of dabbling in the classics. I reckon that's sort of, to me, like possibly a, um, I don't know, more logical kind of path. But um, you're but you're a very more, performance. But you're a very sorry, Steve. You're a very performance orientated kind of driver, right? You've always liked mm. high performing cars, S threes, WRXs, you know, yeah, um, VR sixes. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. In terms of that's the kind of car that I've liked. But then, like, I'm not a track driver. I'm not, you know like not to that kind of level. So, yes, I like the kind of extra performance, but I'm still kind of driving on the road. Yeah. I would have thought like in terms of your um, experience and uh, like where you kind of go with it, that you you might sort of naturally kind of do the same thing. I think we all kind of naturally do this, like hence, you know, you kind of potentially start in Golf GTIs, you play in M3s and stuff like that. You kind of keep yeah. going. Yeah. Um, and then once you kind of hit a certain point where you kind of had had a taste for that on the street, I'm not talking about sort of track driving or whatever else, um, then, and let me kind of try to explain this a little bit better too. So it's not because I'm sort of all out kind of chasing the best sort of not to a hundred time or kind of trying to fang around the corner, you know, quicker than everybody else. It's still like you think about the way I kind of use the car. Like if I go out on a weekday and kind of drive it, like, you know, I'm still only kind of doing 80 kilometers an hour kind of thing yeah. um, because the car is more raw and engaging and, yes, it's more powerful, there's more noise and all of that sort of stuff. That's the bit that I'm kind of getting out of a GT3 as opposed to, like, you know, driving your car on my old 993 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yes, it's performance-oriented, but it's probably more that it's kind of a bit more, whatever the word is, visceral, Yeah. So that's why I would have thought potentially for you that you might go down that path, get a taste for that, and then kind of go, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Like that's sort of like, don't mean to sound snobby or whatever, but that that is a, a step up from where you are at the moment and then you kind of expand your horizons and then you kind of go, oh, okay, so then this is what like an old air cool is like or a you know, more like a 3.56 type experience or 9.12 or whatever it is, mm. or even back to kind of like a 70s thing, which is kind of like, you know, like if I did have the funds, that's probably what I kind of would do. I would I would not, you know, add like a 9.91 or a 9.92 to like my car. I would definitely 
um, you know, kind of go back to something definitely kind of more classic. So, um, yeah, and I asked you before we started recording, I said, yeah. you know, do you feel yeah. that you've experienced enough of the brand? I mean, no, I know, no, no, I, know no. I haven't, and I experience it through no, other people, and I experience it through your stories and people we talk to on, on the podcast. But you haven't, yeah. right? We, I, I don't no, think anyone can. Close. Not close. I don't know. I don't know if anyone can really say they have. I guess, I guess if you had well, twenty Porsches or you've had thirty Porsches or you've, you know, maybe you can say yes. Sorry. Yeah. But we're the still dude that looking. you spoke to yesterday for the upcoming owner story. Sorry, I've forgotten his name already. Jeff, um, but Jeff, even Jeff, Jeff. said he still yeah. looks. He's still looking. Everyone's still looking. You know what I mean? Like he's keen on your car. He's keen to like you know take over yeah. your car if yeah, you want yeah. to sell and, it. You know, it's sort of like, um, you know, like my uncle would be that type of person too where he's sort of like an older kind of guy that's, you know, um, put his kids through school, all of that sort of stuff. So he has the ability to kind of, you know, collect and, and drive multiple cars. Like he can kind of go and swap cars every year now, like if he kind of wants, like for the sake of kind of experiencing it all. But, you know, like somebody more in my position where, you know, like my family's still young and I don't have tons of kind of disposable kind of cash. Like I, it's just not really an option um, to kind of, well, for sure I'd love to, but I just don't think it's kind of realistic to kind of get to that spot. Um, now in your shoes, like where you possibly do have like the ability to kind of, well, like in, you're obviously kind of deliberating it in terms of the next sort of step. Um yeah, look, you know, like what you sort of said does make sense in terms of if you added a 912 to the 997, um, you're going to have like a multi kind of dimensional sort of thing where you kind of get two different sort of worlds. Well, it's light, um, it's nimble, it's, you know, it's not that powerful, but the smell, the sound, you know, from people. And I know you, you get that from the GT3 on a different level, but when I talk to the more and more people who own mm. classics, Porsche classics, you know, you get that on the classic level as well because it is because of the fact that there is no, you know, ABS, there is no power steering, there is still the sound, there is, you know, um, and I know... I think that's different. I think you can delineate between those two things because, like, you know, like... Having like I know that they weren't classic classics when I had my nine six four and my nine nine three, but I kind of know a little bit about. Um, well, I think I know like what people are kind of talking about, like with regards to that sort of general experience. And you know, like I jumped in my uncle's two double O TIIs um, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, so I kind of I kind of get it. Like you know, I'd, I love those cars, and I'd love to kind of have an old um, classic Porsche or a Beamer or something like that as well. But I don't think the experience is the same. Like I don't think you could kind of go um, a 997 GT3 versus sort of like a more raw kind of classic. I think there's quite a vast difference between vast difference. the two yeah. sorts of things, and like even it, like mm. like in your shoes again. Like you know, like if you're kind of pondering the upgrade, like if funds allow you to kind of go and have some fun and do something i don't even think necessarily uh the decision between a 997 gt3 and a 991 gt3 is that clear cut i reckon they're both gt3s for sure but i reckon they're going to be very different experiences and that you would need to drive both because i think my guess is that you kind of go yeah cool the 991 is like looks great it's so much more comfortable all of that sort of stuff but the 997 will be kind of far more raw and this whole sort of conversation about raw, right, to me is sort of like, well, it just means that, um, you know, like me going on a half-hour drive out to kind of Caring Bar today, if I did that in a 991.2, 
I think that I might not, I might think it's a tiny bit boring. Yeah. Because I can't get it up to speed enough or I can't find a windy bit or whatever. So it will feel a little bit more like a, you know, like a modern day Beamer kind of thing or, you know, a bit more like my 1M. Yeah. Whereas you jump in the 997 and it's kind of just got that balance between like, it's definitely fast enough, but it's still kind of got some other attributes. And of course you could kind of go, well, that 30 minute drive to Garingbar today could have been in like a, you know, like a 70s SC or a, you know, like a 911S from the 60s kind of thing or something mm. like that, mm. that would be completely different again. But I suspect that would potentially be, I think maybe me personally, I would miss um, part of the power and the speed aspect of that, which is my, maybe what you're kind of getting to. I guess it's, no, I guess what it is though, it's about, you know, I keep saying, you know, are we, mm. are we really experiencing enough of the brand? You know what I mean? No. Have we driven no. enough cars? I mean, you've driven 993s, 964s, 997. You know, you've driven Porsches that your uncles owned. Um, yeah, Boxsters. You know, yeah, Boxsters and stuff. I mean, I've been in a Boxster. I haven't driven a Boxster. But it's a like, you know, people always say, you know, it's just try and drive as many Porsches as you can. Try to even test drive as many cars as you can so you know what you like. But it's about yeah, it's absolutely. about experiencing every Porsche, Steve. And I mean, and I think I come back into this, you know, Porsche driver, Porsche, you know, not getaway driver, Porsche driver thing. And it's about, yep. you know, having driven everything from a 60s to a 70s to a 356 to a 911T to a 912, you know, SCs, going through all the range and when you've driven those cars, does yep. that give you a better feeling on the current cars you own like the, the way to drive it the way to control it the way to get the best out of it because you have all those memories in your head of driving these these cars with no abs and then and, and you know you might not have these cars at the same time but it kind of all adds to your experience you know what i mean so that's one side of it where you're missing out on on not the skill but you're missing out on the experience you're missing out on these experiences which add to your current day experience because you've had all those experiences in other Porsches right and then it's the fact that you know like missing out you know what I mean like at the point in time prices are high we all know classic car prices and Porsche prices are high but they're always going up then they're always going up you know what I mean um you know let's go back to the to the mistakes I've made you know finding those you know when 996 GT3s were 99,000 95,000 you know what I mean and they were readily available And I forget what that year was. It's probably ten, it's probably ten years ago now. It's probably like that. It's probably two thousand and twelve. I think from memory, I can probably chase the old email where I was sending you links of those cars. Um, yeah. But it's probably ten years ago. And you know, you, you yeah. know, I missed out on some great cars. You know, even like Marco's car. You know, the turbos at thirty thousand kilometer black turbo that was sitting there for months and months at eighty five thousand in North Sydney, yeah. and it just sat there. And there was two, one with high kilometers, and no one wanted them. You yeah. know, and obviously they're more than that now. And, and you have these regrets. You have these regrets. And I think, yes, it, it, it's annoying that it is priorities and it's funds, right? Um, yes. But you sort of look back on it, and maybe this is wisdom, I don't know, and you look back on it now and you think, well, they're always going to go up, you know? And I remember when I first saw the 912, and I kind of never thought about the 912, is because the for the price, the price ratio, the price to experience and the fun and whatever, it was still a hell yep. of a lot cheaper for a, a 65, um, sorry, a 60... Um, 68 912 than it was a 68 911 but it's a similar experience because the shape is there sure there's not the power but the feeling is still there 
And I don't know whether you're going to... Yeah, I don't know. The, the longer you I mean, wait... that's the sort of thing. I don't know. Is that going to go away? Is that disappearing because everything's becoming so out of reach, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely everything's kind of getting out of reach. Like, you know, like I I have reservations about 912s, but it doesn't come from experience again. Like my classic thing was sort of saying, I wouldn't have a clue because I've never driven one. Um, that could be the best car in the world, but I just wouldn't know. I'm kind of just making it up on the spot, but I kind of go, um, like, if a 912 was 50, 50 grand, it's like, yeah, for sure. But, like, at 120, that's a shitload of money in my books. <laughs> and I kind of go, um, you know, like, for the equivalent 120 grand, like, what's to say that kind of getting a really good sort of beetle, um, I know it's never going to be as good as a 912, but, yeah. you know, like if you could kind of go and spend, like I have no idea what beetles are worth, but pretend it was like 40. you could get a really, really good beetle yeah, for 40 grand. Yeah. Um, and that was the type of experience that you're sort of talking about. Like to some degree, uh, would that not be sort of like a better way to kind of get that experience right. rather than having to fork out the full sort of 120 for like the kind of, you know, sort of classic Porsche thing. Like, I don't know, I'm sure everybody's sort of sitting there kind of going, yeah, I'd love a 356 as well, but none of us have like, you know, more than half a million bucks. So um, unfortunately the horse is bolted, like long gone on um, some stuff. And I know it's going to continue to do so, which mm, is partly mm. why why you're pondering what you're pondering. No, I'm just, I'm not kind of wanting to talk about prices so much though. It's about what, you know, I keep coming back to this, what determines your Porsche direction, what determines it. And, you know, I guess, unfortunately, it is money. It is money. Do you know what I mean? Um, because yeah, not, not a lot of people now, no one really starts off on a 356 or starts off on a 912 or starts off on a 911T or a 911S. No. They start no, off on a – most people so. start off on a 996 or 997. You know what They'd mean? start That's, on something slightly more modern than or then a 964 probably would spike their interest. Yeah. yeah. That's where everyone starts. So. Pre-964, you know, a lot of people don't start there. Um, maybe they get I kind there, of asked but they don't this, start there. I think I asked you this a few kind of episodes ago, which is like, you know, I feel like maybe 10 or more years ago, there was like a lot more of a divide. Like you were kind of either an air-cooled guy or you're a water-cooled guy. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised these days if like there is no sort of real divide. I think there's an appreciation from both sides to kind of like the other and there's recognition that they're kind of different. Um, and I think that if everybody were kind of super rich or Porsches are so much cheaper, then we'd all be kind of dabbling in both sides because I think we have an appreciation for like the mark and the brand and what the kind of whole experience is. And there's nuance between um, like all of them. But unfortunately, I do think that um, very few of us are in the position to be able to kind of go, yeah, I'll have, you know, like one from... One from the 60s, one from the 80s, one from the 90s. It's and, not about you know, having like them a, all at the same time, though. It's about having them over a period no. of time and, and enjoying them. You know, it's very rare that you can have three really cool Porsches or ten really cool Porsches unless you've, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you've yeah, bought yeah, them yeah. earlier on and you've saved them and now you're restoring them and, and that's how you've come across it. You know what I mean? Um, it seems like, sure, you know. But look at you now, like, you know, even that thing. Hmm, go ahead. Sorry, even that thing where you kind of, um, it makes kind of perfectly logical sense to me where you kind of go, oh, okay, well, if I kind of get, if I were to make these purchases now and make an assumption that it's a fairly safe investment and it probably would kind of go up, then does that kind of get me to the next thing? 
I know you don't know how much the next thing is going to be. Like, you know, like use your example of going, well, if I've got a 997 and a 912 and both of them at least make a little bit of money or hold kind of value, will that kind of get me safely to a, a GT3 kind of later on? I don't know. You just don't know how expensive like anything's going to be like in, you know, for three, five years that you're sort of talking about. So I thought when you purchased your GT3 that it was a lot of money, like it was a shitload of it money, was. right? And it that's, was. <laughs> that's only in 2013, right? 2013? Uh, no, yeah, about that. Yep. 2013. And I thought, man, Steve's paying that much money on a car. Like I was just like, fuck, that's so much money. Excuse me. So much yeah. money. Um, yeah, and yeah, now yeah. I think, man, that was a bargain. <laughs> so cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yep. know? And there was, there was multiple ones for sale. It's like hindsight, hindsight, the, the benefit of hindsight. Um, but anyway, here's a question for yep. you, Steve, before we leave, because I know you've got to do work today. You've got to make the um, moolah. I won't say the yep. other one. Um, is, your, is your 997 GT3, is, is, is this your last Porsche? Do you think you're going to get into something else, like when the girls grow up? What do you think? You think it's, it's, it's over or you think it's still going? Mm. So... If my wife is listening to this, which I know she isn't, um, well, you but have two pretend she was. Actually. You have two. I shouldn't say you have one. So, yeah, like it's the last one. I don't have – I'm very content and perfectly happy with it. I love that car to bits. Um, every time I drive it, you know, like I don't – I don't really kind of hanker for anything else. Um, you know, like if I won the lotto tomorrow um, – would I, I'd obviously love to kind of have something like a 911R or something like that, something even kind of more special or some sort of RS type thing, although I'd still think maybe I'd prefer a manual car and like mm. modern day RSs are only PDKs. Um, That's interesting so though. Like, so you're going up the ladder still. So you, you're not, you, even then you're saying you'll win the lot, I'll go to a 911R. You're not, you're not going down. You see, you're not looking back. You're looking, you're looking up. Oh, no, no. Well, I was about to say it like, if I looked backwards, then I wouldn't ditch the 997. I would add to it because I don't think, I don't think if I kind of just had something like a 911S or T or, you know, something like that, um, if I could like go pie in the sky, pretend I had a 73RS. Yeah. I suspect that I would still, I, I'm sure I would love that to kind of absolute bits, but I'm pretty sure now that I've kind of made a progression from a 964 to a 993 to a 997, that there is a degree of performance or whatever you want to call it in a slightly more modern one that I don't think that you can kind of get that experience out of like an older one. Yeah. So, I yes, I do still have that kind of um, craving for that kind of thing. So I don't think I could let go of that. Yeah, I think, you know, 911R, a GT3 Touring, even the 991.2 GT3 Touring or the, the new one, Either one, I'd be I'd be very happy with if you're going to if you're going to spec if I was going to spec out a new car now I I wouldn't buy the wing GT3 I'd buy the Touring, um, and yeah. I'd get it in yeah, GT yeah, and I get it in GT Silver I get it in classic GT Silver because I think it looks fantastic in Silver that new shape it just seems to work, um, and that would see, be the my one, choice. The one caveat on that, like I sort of said before, is that um, never having driven one, like there, there could be this thing where. You jump in it and you kind of love it to bits, but same thing, you realise that you have to rev the nuts out of it and you've got to drive it really hard to kind of get, you know, some of the kind of, um, you know, the fun factor out of it and it might actually be too good. It might, it might just be kind of too... Too, too good. Too, yeah. um, just way too good and too capable to kind of get 
some of the cheap thrills and some of the raw stuff out of. Yeah, and you know what? You, we're running out of time, but you know the point. The other good point um, that was kind of touched on when I was speaking to Jeff is that, and the nine eleven R and and a nine eleven GT two RS or something like that. Yeah. You know, you get to the point where you spent or a speedster even. You know, and the speedster for people overseas, you know, speedster seven hundred thousand in Australia still. You know what I mean? Um, right. GT2 RS is still in the 700s, I think. They're not any, anything lower than that. You get a car yeah. like that or you get your classic, you know, 911S that's fully restored, that's, you know, sitting at $350,000 or whatever and it's perfect. You know, you don't yeah. want something that you're too scared to drive. You don't want something that you're worried about. You don't want something that you can't okay. enjoy. You know what I mean? So there's a fine line there too where, you know, at least with my 997, I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I care about it and it annoys me if something happens to it, but I'm not scared to drive it. You know what I mean? Um, yep. I'm not worried about driving it. And your 997, you're like that too. You know, it's gone up in value. It's say it's doubled in value to whatever it's happened in value. But you're not scared to drive yep. it. It's not like you get, oh, no. I, I don't want to put kilometers on it or I don't want to get get it wrecked yeah. or, you know, I've spent 400000 on the restoration of a 911S and I can't drive it. You know yeah, what I mean? Because no, I'd gladly drive it into a shopping center car park and, you know, walk in and walk back out again and not sort of yeah. freak out about what's kind of happening to it. And that's the important thing about being, you know, owning a Porsche is you still have to buy something that you're not scared of driving, that you're not going to be too precious with, that you have to enjoy. Um, yep. You know, and being no. a being a Porsche enthusiast, being a Porsche driver, you know, it's 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 weird. You know, what determines our Porsche direction, Steve? I mean, obviously, it's funds and, and priorities. Um, we all can't have multiple Porsches at one time. But, you know, it's still good to try and experience as, as much of the brand as possible. And you have. You've experienced, you know, 964s and 993s and 997s, like I said. Um, would you – but here's a question before we leave, though. Out of the 964 mm. and 993, um, yep. which one would you go back to if you were looking at them again? To go with my GT3? Yes. Oh. Base Carrera. Base Carrera. Yeah, so 964, Carrera 2, 964, Carrera 2, 993. Whoa, I think maybe a 993. I still think it was a better car than the 964. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it was the better car. It it needs tweaks. And I was just listening to um, your competitive podcast um, sort of today and there was a bit of a conversation about it. But I just reckon the 993 is a better car. Um, like... It in standard form, it's soft, um, and it it sort of feels a tiny bit boring and sterile, kind of in like bog standard form. But once you kind of um, tweak it a little bit with an exhaust and some suspension mods, um, and maybe like a short shift thing, like the Goldenrod from Fister, um, it's brilliant. Like, yeah. and I just think it's better than nine six four. Okay. Good place to leave it. Good place to leave it. Um, you don't want to answer your question from your Instagram? Oh, the person? Instagram. Sorry. Sorry, I completely forgot. I was more concerned right. about you. you. had to go. So um, I had a quick question on Instagram, um, yep. which I'm trying to find. It's here somewhere. I've got it here if you want. Uh, yeah, you can read it. You had, oh, here it is here. You find uh, yeah, here it is here. Um, from Instagram, uh, the Instagram is at wrist check and canyon drives um sorry i can't remember your first name sorry i, I probably know it i just can't remember it uh he said here's a watch and porsche question for both of you and steve would you sell your watch collection to fund a new purchase of a 911 that is gt3 or 997 turbo currently have a 997.2 manual and lately been lusting over a 997 turbo six speed now wrist check and canyon drives also has watches on his um instagram so he has watches as mm -hmm. well 
Um, mm-hmm. 997 Turbo 6-speed, I noticed someone said the other day, the prices of those in the US is going crazy, apparently. They're, they're going, going up. up. They're yeah. going up so much, 997 6-speeds. But the 997 Turbo 6-speed is, is like everyone's chasing it now. What do you think, Steve? Would you do it? I mean, your collection's bigger than mine, but what would you do it? My collection is... I don't... <laughs> like, I know it's not really like a dead sort of serious question but like even if you kind of sold your watch collection you're not gonna get enough money to go and like buy you like a a really good porsche (laughs) so so it's not really sort of um you know it ain't gonna happen really um and to a degree no i don't think i would but sort of like watches gives you a different type of um enjoyment and it's a different sort of ownership thing i know you can't drive a watch you can only wear it and look at it and all that type of thing. Um, some of them are kind of crazy dear, blah, blah, blah. But I do remember sort of thinking like when I was younger, kind of going, hey, if I go and buy the, you know, get the 964, like upgrade from the S3 to the 964 or upgrade from the 964 to the 993, there goes my watch buying days. And somehow, like back in those days, I still kind of managed to do it. So somehow you kind of managed to keep the uh, watch passion kind of going, even if you kind of did try to kind of pair it back. I mean, I think kids starting a family and getting married probably is putting bigger brakes on anything like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't think I would. What about you? Like, well, you're probably going to say the same thing. Like, firstly. Even if you sold them one, you're not going to get a new, it's not going to get you into a GT3. Firstly, um, wrist check and Canyon drives on Instagram. So check out his Instagram and give him a follow. But, Firstly, Hmm. 997.2 manual is what he owns at the moment, and he's been lusting over a 997 turbo six-speed. If I was, if I had a 997.2 manual, I would keep it because I think it's a great car. Um, If a 997.2, if if a 997.2 manual came up for sale in Australia, and it wasn't that much more of a difference from mine, I would be tempted just to upgrade to the 997.2. I would be tempted. Actually, I'd probably lie. If it was an S, I'd be tempted to to upgrade into the S. Um, I see what you mean about lusting over a 997 Turbo 6-speed. They're quite expensive. I think you have a great car. I just want to say that first. Now, for me, for watches, I think that I would be upset if I did that. It would upset me. Um, I haven't sold any of my watches, um, and I didn't start. You know, I started, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, a little bit more than 20 years ago. Um, I haven't sold any of my watches. And I didn't buy watches for a long time, as Steve knows, for a long, long time. Um, It's only recently where I've gone a bit crazy and bought so many watches in one year, which is a bit insane. Um, I've sold one watch, and that was a 75 Omega um, that I sold when I needed cash. And I got a reasonable price for it from what I paid for it. And I regret selling that watch. It's not a super collectible watch. It's a rare, rare Omega, but I regret selling it. So for me... I wouldn't sell any of my watches because all of my watches are bought at a period which makes me remember the reason why I bought it. Um, from the very first watch um, to the very first Panerai to my second Panerai, which I bought when we got engaged, to my third Panerai, which I bought for a birthday, um, you know, to all the other watches. They all have sentimental value. Yeah, they all have sentimental value and they all have a story. Um, now, I watched Jimmy yep. I watched Jimmy. Lit, I think it is on YouTube, the guy from Australia, the farmer who has all the watches. And he had a really good story on his inst- on his YouTube. Do a search for it. I think it's Jimmy Split. Um, he did a story about all of his watches and how he gifted them to his children. He bought them for his children. And he was going to keep yep. them until they were older, but he gave them to them when they were younger because he said, because of COVID, they may as well enjoy it now. They may as well enjoy them now, yep. you know. 
And it's about how a watch has a story. A car has a story. A watch has a story. If I sold my watches, I would feel like I've missed out on something. And the enjoyment I get from watches and cars, I couldn't just get from just selling them to buy a Porsche. Do you know what I mean? Um, as much as I love Porsche, I, I, I need to have a balance. And I think the balance, I like having both. I like having both. Um, and I'm a bit <laughs> like Steve. You know what I mean, Steve? Like, yeah. No, because it's 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 kind of it's kind it's of like sort of me- saying, "Hey, are you happy to kind of live in a really pared back, very modest kind of home unit, whatever, in order to kind of save the money and kind of go and spend it on um, your dream kind of Porsche or dream car or whatever?" It's like, mm, yeah, even though I love cars that much, I don't know about making that degree of sacrifice or compromise to kind of get to it. Because I think you just sort of feel like you're missing out on other kind of spots. Yeah. And if I was trying to fund a purchase of a, of a new Porsche, I would just save. Um, you know, luckily at the moment I have the ability to save. You know, my wife and I have the ability to save. And I have mm-hmm. saved a lot of money over the past few years due to working overseas and stuff like that. So I'm in the, in the, I'm in the you know, the, what is it, in the, in the groove of it. I know, you know, it's not hard for me to save anymore. So I know that if I wanted something, really, I could actually save and use that money. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. For a car. I'd rather do that than sell my watches because I think if I sold my watches, I wouldn't be happy. And I also, to get those watches, you know, going back f- 10 years, I couldn't afford to buy a watch like that. You know what I mean? So now the fact that I have, you know, multiple Rolexes is kind of like, well, I've worked hard to get there. I don't really want to give them up. I don't want to, I don't want to give them up. You know what I mean? And I love wearing them. I love looking at them. Like you said, you know, when you walk outside and you see it, it's, it's you know, it just makes you feel good. It's like a Porsche. It makes you feel good. Yep. Great. I think that answers so the question. So I guess that's, uh, the answer to that question is no. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's about it. Thanks, Steve. I'll let you go. I know you've got work to cool. do. Um, Thanks, mate. That was good. Cheers, mate. Cool. All good. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast, Portugal podcast it is. Uh, that was Steve coming in from Sydney. My name is Michael Bath, if you don't know already. And that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>